A few years ago, I was preaching at Holy Cross here in town one weekend, and it was a weekend in May, and I know it was a weekend in May because May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and I wanted to say something in my message related to mental wellness. At one point in the sermon, I made the comments that just as there is no shame in going to see a doctor for a physical health concern, there should also be no shame for us in going to a a doctor or a counselor or a therapist or even taking medication if necessary for a mental or emotional health concern. A few weeks, it was my turn to preach again at Holy Cross, and at the end of the service, I was in the back of the church greeting people that Sunday morning, and it it looked to me like there was a woman who was purposely trying to, to be the last one out of church, and sure enough, and when everybody else had left, she approached me and said that she was in church a few weeks before that when I talked a little bit about mental health. She said that she's been dealing with some trauma and anxiety for years, but she's been afraid to talk to anybody about that. She has been, it's as if she was feeling a sense of shame. Now, there's two reasons why I wanted to tell you that story today. One is that October, the first week of October, is National Mental Health Awareness Week. And also, the month of October is Mental Health and Depression Screening Month. With that in mind, there are some resources that I put on the screen if you would find any of this to be helpful. And also, there's a card on each of the tables at the entrance of the sanctuary with some similar information on it. If, if that would be helpful for you, feel free to take any of those. But maybe the real reason that I wanted to share that story is what the woman said as far as why she did not seek help earlier. She said she felt too ashamed. Shame is a powerful thing, isn't it? Have you ever felt shame over something in your life? I think I know the answer to that question for all of us, myself included. I doubt there's a single person here who doesn't know firsthand the feelings of shame. In fact, shame may just be one of the oldest emotions that there is. I say that remembering the story of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. God created everything and everything God created was good. In fact, things were so good that at the end of the story, we read where Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. They had no reason to feel shame. Everything was right with them and God and and with each other. Everything was perfect. Everything was good. There wasn't anything to be embarrassed about. There wasn't anything to have regret over. There wasn't anything to be uncomfortable about. They felt no shame. But remember what happened next. In the very next chapter, the the serpent, the enemy, the devil came along and tempted them. And when they acted on that temptation, do you remember what they did? Their eyes were opened. 
They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Why? Because now they felt shame. And it's been happening to all of us ever since. There are times when we want to cover something so that no one else will see. We feel shame. Maybe it's some secret that you've held on to for years. Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago in your past. Maybe it's something that you did that you wish you never would have done. Maybe it's financial trouble and you're too embarrassed to let anybody else find out about it. Maybe it's an affair you've had. Maybe it's a sexual temptation you struggle with. Maybe it's a habit or a behavior or an addiction that you fight every single day. Whatever it might be, I want you to know that the enemy, the same enemy that got a hold of Adam and Eve, that enemy wants you to hold on to that shame. But God doesn't. We have spent this year reading through the New Testament. But I want to turn to an Old Testament story here for a minute. Maybe you remember the people of Israel who were held captive in Egypt for 430 years. 430 years. That means that there were generations of people who knew nothing but misery and oppression. There were generations of people who had no idea what freedom and forgiveness felt like, looked like, tasted like. But then God leads them out of Egypt, and now they're free. And if you read the very next chapter there in Exodus, you read there where at that point they're singing and dancing and celebrating over that freedom. But it's not long after that that they start complaining again towards the very God who set them free, going so far as to say they thought they were better back in Egypt. You see, outwardly they were free, but inwardly they felt anything but free. And you know, in a way, maybe that's what shame does to us. Week after week, we come here to worship, and we hear about the promise of God's mercy and the promise of God's unconditional love and the freedom that we receive in forgiveness and grace from Jesus Christ. But then all too often, we walk out of church still holding on to guilt and shame and never fully living into forgiveness and new life and freedom that God has given to us. Well, I say all of that as kind of a backdrop to where I want to go next. And finally, I want to turn to today's reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you look at that reading, there are, this is one of those occasions where the context is pretty important here. First of all, Paul's second letter to Timothy is the last letter of all the letters that Paul wrote. It's not only the last letter that he wrote, it's a letter that he wrote from prison. It was the last letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it from prison, 
And he knew that it wouldn't be long after that that he would face his own death. His death would be imminent. Now there's probably nothing like knowing that your days are numbered to make you sure about what you want to say in some of your final words. And so that knowing that this was literally his last opportunity to write what he may write, he says, Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. I want you to see there what Paul says that you don't need to feel shame. You don't need to live with shame in your life because I'm convinced, Paul says, Jesus has taken away my shame. And because of that, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Why? Because he's not ashamed of me. And the reason we know that we can say that Jesus is not ashamed of us is because that's exactly what the gospel says to us. He has saved us, not because of anything we have done, but because his grace is given to us in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Through the gospel. God's good news for you. The death and resurrection of Jesus for you. Forgiveness for you. It's the gospel that takes away our shame. You see, the reason that we can say the words, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, is because Jesus has taken away our shame and is not ashamed of us. In our reading through the New Testament, in this week, there will be five chapters, again, that you will read, and it'll bring us into the book of Hebrews. But I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in Hebrews to chapter 12, verse 2, where We read, look to Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, that verse tells us Jesus himself experienced shame. But despite the shame of a Roman crucifixion, despite the shame of having nails pierced through his flesh, Despite the shame of being stripped naked and exposed to public humiliation, despite the shame of being rejected by some of the very people Jesus came to love, despite the shame of death itself, in addition to the shame that Jesus felt, he took upon himself our shame. But he endured the cross, despising the shame, Why? For the joy set before him, which is you. You are the joy set before Jesus. You know the reason why Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord? He says that because since Jesus has taken away our shame, why in the world? Would we ever be ashamed of him? It's that promise. It's that gift that God wants you to hold on to till the very end. I'm not ashamed 
Because I am convinced he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. That day. You know what day that is? Well, that day may be the day that Jesus comes back again. Or it may be the day that we go to him by leaving this life. Either way, Jesus is yours and you are his until that day. I think we all know that the Bible uses a number of images to talk about our relationship with God. For instance, the Bible talks about he's the potter, we are the clay. It says he's the shepherd, we are the sheep. It doesn't, necessarily, doesn't literally mean that we are a lump of clay, although maybe we feel like that at times. But it's an image, it's an analogy. Perhaps another analogy or image that is given to us in the Bible is where it says that Jesus is the bride and we, his church, his people, are the bridegroom. Now, if you ask any bride what that day is, she knows, right? Everything in life is leading up to that day. You don't have to explain it. I remember my wife, Laura, telling me that on the day of our wedding, her father was driving her to the church that morning, and there she sat, all dressed, feeling both anxious and excited. Finally, it was that day, and her father turns to her and says, do you really think Dennis is going to show up today? Tell me, how does that calm a bride's nerves? (laughs) Everything is about that day. Well, actually, for you and me and our relationship with God, the same is true. Because we're looking for that day. I am not ashamed. Because I'm convinced he is able to guard what's been entrusted to him for that day. Jesus came to take away our shame, yours and mine. And because he did, there's no reason, no reason at all for us to ever have shame with him. And that is what he wants us to hold on to until that day. In Jesus' name, amen.